You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. I've got a confession, however, to make to you tonight, and uh, I'm not particularly all that proud of this, uh, but I'm going to tell you anyhow that uh, the truth is I, I personally have participated in every bad decision that I have ever made. Uh, I was right there in the middle of it. Every financial decision, every relational decision, every behavioral decision, every word that I said that I regretted, uh, every, every action, I, I, was, I was there. And the reason I can share this with you and uh, not be fearful that you'll hold it against me and that you'll you know, gossip about it and, and be talking about it after the service tonight is because I also happen to know that you were there for every bad decision that you ever made. You're the mastermind behind your greatest regret, um, behind the thing that has let you down the most. Every word, every decision, uh, every moral action, your greatest challenge every morning. Did you know that your greatest challenge in your life is? Listen to this. Your, I'm going to help you tonight with your greatest challenge, so you want to listen up, because the greatest challenge that you have is not dealing with the people in your workplace. The greatest challenge you have is not living with the family over which you had no choice but you got stuck with. The greatest challenge that you have is not trying to navigate the world around you. It's not even trying to deal with Satan, as bad as that can be. The greatest challenge you have is trying to lead the person you see in the mirror every morning when you brush your hair or clean your teeth. Because the truth is, you are incredibly difficult to lead. Now, one of the favorite pastimes of Aussie culture is we love to criticize the boss. We love to criticize the leader of the other party. Not our party, but the other party. (laughs) We don't like him at all, do we? We don't trust him. Uh, Really wouldn't matter who he was. Uh, we like to whinge and complain about the umpires. Uh, I was at a football match yesterday, oh my goodness. Uh, they booed them off, the, and then of course the latest NRL umpire, he's quit because of death threats to his family. Uh, we like to whinge about the person in authority. We like to whinge about the boss. You know, complain about the pastor, and, uh, or whoever is, who has authority over us. And, and, and look, don't turn me off here, but this is one of the greatest symbols of your own self-deceit. Because the boss, the pastor, the prime minister, um, no member of legislation can ever cause you to miss God's purpose for your life. Only you. And yet we like to complain and whinge about these people for you know undermining our success or... Or, or, you know, causing our, uh, our happiness to be diminished. Uh, if you want to be a leader uh, worth following, and you'll never be a leader worth following, by the way, if you don't need to learn yourself. Exceptional self-leadership is not the requirement of being a leader, because we all know leaders who do not lead themselves exceptionally. But exceptional self-leader is the key to sustained influence. Exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained influence. Did you know that you can't make people do anything? Did you know that? 
You can stop them, right? That's called prison, right? You can stop people from doing things. And if you do things that society says, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want you doing that, they will put you in prison to stop you doing it. But nobody can really, I mean, you know, you've got a boss, you've got a teacher, right? Or you've got uh, uh, somebody who pays you or, or whatever. Uh, you're a leader. You kind of got you to listen to them. You kind of got to do what they say. But ultimately, everybody does what they want to do. Ultimately, you inevitably end up doing what you consider you want to do because nobody can actually force you do anything. Once you get to a certain age, right? You, you know, you, your dad can't pick you up anymore and force you to go anywhere. I mean, you can be bullied, you can be threatened, but ultimately, ultimately, nobody can force you to think the way that you think or act the way that you act. And if you want to have sustained influence, it's not enough just to pay people, be the boss. It's not enough just to be elected and somehow have a position of power. You have to have respect. Um, respect is where influence lies. And, and, and let me ask you this question. Who do you respect in your life? Who, who, do you, who, who do you look up to? And I'll tell you the answer to it. It's somebody in your world that you know that has exceptional self-leadership. That's what draws your respect. And indeed, that's what draws the respect of others. Except, exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained performance. Um, the, 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 uh, the parent who lost their children to, um, to, the, to the department, the, the kid who got expelled from school, the politician who got removed from office, the player who was suspended from the match. Uh, however you want to couch this, the reason for that was a lack of self-leadership. Did you know you are no better than what you do? I am no better than what I do. We try to judge ourselves by our intentions, but the truth is we are no better than our behavior, you or me. And and there's only one person who can do anything about my behavior. There's only one person who can do anything about it, and that is me. And let me tell you this. I'm gonna give you in a moment three questions. If you can answer these three questions, This will guide you to exceptional self-leadership, money-back guarantee, right? If you can answer these three questions, you will become an exceptional self-leader, right? No no gifts, no buts, no no argument about it. I, I guarantee when I give you these three questions, you'll go, wow, these three questions are the key to self-leadership. And you answer them honestly, you'll find yourself leading yourself exceptionally well, which means you'll have exceptional influence, which means, and let me tell you this, it's not just your future that depends on this, by the way. Uh, It's the future of others. Um, If you wanna be a leader in your school, if you wanna be a leader in your community, if you wanna be a leader in your family, um, if you wanna be a a leader uh, in your church, that others look at and go, I wanna follow that person. I wanna follow that person that how do you become that person? It's got little to do with education. It's got little to do with skill and and personality. It's got everything to do with your ability to lead yourself. And I'm gonna give you three questions that if you can answer this, you can lead yourself in the right direction 
and lead others as well. As simple as that. Let me give you these three questions and I'll let you go home. <laughs> Question number one. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I will not lie to myself. You know, this is sort of revelation for this day and age, but did you know there's something worse than feeling bad about yourself? You know, we, oh, I don't feel bad about myself. But it, well, maybe that's a good thing. It's actually not bad to feel bad about yourself, or, or there is something worse than feeling bad about yourself, and this is what it is. Hanging on to bad things about yourself. And you can't deal with the negative about yourself if you don't know what it is. But I don't want to know what it is because I feel bad about myself, right? And tell me lies, you know, and, and there's nothing like ourselves to deceive ourselves and how good we are. <laughs> if you can, can, can commit yourself to I will not lie to myself about myself, even when it makes me feel bad about myself, this is the key to good, honest self-leadership. There was a guy in the uh, Old Testament, his name was Jeremiah, he several thousand years ago now, but he had this really rough assignment. He was given a direction by God that he had to go to the Jewish people, he lived in Jerusalem, and he had to say to them, turn from your wicked ways. He had to say, turn back to the ways of God. And no one wanted to listen to him because it made them feel bad about themselves, right? And, and so they, they shunned this poor bloke called Jeremiah, Jeremiah was saying to them, if you don't change your behavior, then our father God is going to put us in time out like any good father will do. The whole nation of Israel was put into time out for 70 years. You may or may not be aware of that, historically speaking. But it's a historical fact. And the reason for that was the behavior of the nation. And Jeremiah is there saying, hey guys, change, change. But they couldn't see it. And finally, he goes before the king and he says, Nebuchadnezzar's at the gate, Babylon's at the door, open the gate, it's going to be the best thing, otherwise people are going to die, give me less bloodshed, just let them in. For his troubles, he gets thrown into this, um, in, into this well, now it was basically dry, but it would have been a wet at the bottom, so he's in this, this damp, cold well, but even though he's probably in mud up to his ankles, he's still yelling out, repent, repent, some friends come and drag him out of the well, and he makes this incredibly insightful verse, I, I want you to see what he says here because this will give you insight into yourself he says this he says the human heart is the most deceitful did you see that the most deceitful of all things now you might know somebody you know they're just deceitful maybe you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend now they deceived you i'm not going out with them because they're a deceiver Maybe, you know, someone's tried to sell you something and they've told you a bunch of baloney and, and, and you go, oh, that, this is just deceptive. Maybe you've got an email or a text message telling you, you've just won, you know, and you go, that's just deceptive. So, so, uh, Jeremiah said, the most deceptive. So there are levels of deception. Some things are more deceptive than others. He said, the most deceptive thing of all is the human heart, your heart. It's desperately wicked. He says, who can know it and you know this to be true because you've even said this to yourself I, I almost guarantee it you've almost said to yourself why did I say that what was I thinking <laughs> why did I do why did I buy that what why did I do that why did I say yes to him why did I ring her back 
And your family goes, we know, but you wouldn't listen. <laughs> why, why did I do that? And, and, and I'll tell you why you did it. Why? Because your heart deceived you. And you don't even, you, later on you go, what the hell? I don't know, what the heck happened there? What was I thinking then? Why did I, why did I say yes to him? Why did I go out with him again? <laughs> And, and it's easy to kind of, at the other side of that decision, scratch your head and go, well, I don't really understand why. Because the truth is, the easiest person in the world to deceive is you by your heart. How many of you have done this, right? How many of you have looked at the dress, jeans, trousers, whatever, um, device, whatever, car, and thought, oh, I can't afford that. But oh boy, I want it. <laughs> I'm gonna find the money for that. And you found the money for it. You convinced yourself it was a good idea because you just had to have it. You said to the guy, I'm going to wear it. Don't even just cut the tags off. Don't put it in the bag. I'm taking that home. Because, I, and you put it on the credit card, right? And the bill came. Oh, what was I thinking? What did I do that for? You deceived yourself. And, and, and we do this all of the time. You're not the only person that does this. I've done it. We all do it. That's why I'm asking you tonight, if you're gonna lead yourself at every juncture, you gotta ask yourself this question, right? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this, comma, really? <laughs> and the comma's important. <laughs> because here's the thing, right? In six months time, or in six days' time, maybe in six minutes' time, I don't know. <laughs> You're gonna be, why did I do that? Don't you think it's a good idea to know why before you did it? <laughs> Doesn't that just make sense? So when your mother says to you, or your, bro what your brother says to you, or your wife says to you, why did you do that? Oh, I've got a good reason, here it is. <laughs> That's why I did it. So before you do it, right, when you're at this decision-making moment, the question you need to ask yourself is why am I doing this? Why do I want to eat this, really? <laughs> Nobody forced you to eat the cake, did they? Now you feel sick and you're going, why did I have that second round of dessert? Why did I do that? What's wrong with me? Because you deceived yourself. Now look, I don't know everybody in the room, I don't know if everyone here tonight is a Jesus follower or not. But I do know this, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, your heart has this tendency to deceive you. And this is a, this is a positive thing. Um, Jesus made a statement, he said, the truth will set you free. The opposite is also true, and that is, dishonesty will imprison you. And if you are, if you are dishonest to yourself, if you deceive yourself, you will imprison yourself, and you'll blame everybody else. I, I, I guarantee you, if you go to the local prison, you'll find it's full of innocent men <laughs> who blame everybody else for the reason they're there. And the truth of the matter is, they were right there with every decision they made that caused them to wind up where they are. Even though if you were to talk to them, their mother did this and their father did this and this person did this and this person did that and they shouldn't have done this and they are completely self-righteous, self-deceived. And they are no different to you, and they're no different to me. We imprison ourselves 
by the decisions that we make. And we'd love to blame the economy, and we'd love to blame the boss, and we'd love to blame the prime minister, and we'd love to blame somebody else, because that makes us feel better about ourselves. There's nothing bad with feeling bad about yourself if it's the truth so you can deal with it. But we don't want to feel bad about ourselves, so we live in this uh, this world, this world of make-believe that ultimately leads us to a prison and then we blame the rest of the world. Number two, decision number one, I'm going to tell the, look, can I just let you off the hook here a little bit? Because this is tough, I understand, this is tough. You don't even have to listen to yourself, just tell yourself what the truth is. <laughs> right? Even if you don't listen to yourself, at least you've told yourself. At least you know what you're doing is stupid before you do it, right? At least, at least give yourself that much respect. That what you're doing is stupid, you know it's ridiculous, you know it's self-centered, you know it's personally destructive, but I'm going to do it anyway, all right? At least tell yourself that before you do it. So I've just, just let off the hook a bit there, aren't you, right? So I'm not telling you to not do it, I'm just telling you to at least acknowledge the truth about why you were doing it. Decision number one. Decision number two. Um, prioritize. I will prioritize what I value most over what I want now. Now, this is the long-term end game finish line approach to life. This is beginning with the end in mind. Anybody in this room who's ever led anybody, um, you want to know what the win is, right? You want to know where the goal lines are. You, you want to know what the objective is. Where are we going? If I'm going to lead these people, where am I leading them to? You want to know that question, and that's a good question to know if you're leading a group of people. So if you're leading yourself, you want to know what your values are, you want to know what your goals are, so you know where you're leading yourself. Makes sense, doesn't it? But here's the truth of the matter. Most of us only really know what we want now, and what we want now is more often than not at war with what we value most later, right? I mean, I did a whole series on this earlier on in the year. We basically said lurking in the shadows of what we want now is what we really value, but most people don't know what they value because they've never taken the time to clarify what it is that they really value. What is the win in my life, right? When I get to the end of my life, what, what do I want said about me? Most of the stuff you want now, you, you really don't want said about you at the end of your life, you know? Like if you want a new iPhone now, or you want a new this, or you want her, or you want that now. When you get to the end of your life, that's not what you want people, you know, up at a place like this spruiking about you saying, oh, and he had the latest iPhone or he had the greatest hair or whatever, you know? Uh, most of the stuff you want now isn't really what you value later. The truth is, most people don't know what they value because they've never taken the time to discern it, to figure it out. And life doesn't help you with it, folks. I mean, education will try to train your mind so you know what you need to know, but it doesn't really tell you who you want to become. Um, advertising society will tell you what you need now, but it won't really tell you who you, or, or what kind of person you need to be. You need to figure this out. The earlier on that you can discover this, the earlier you can start to lead yourself because you know where you're going. Makes sense, doesn't it? You want to lead yourself to the goal. And what's the goal? What's the gold? What I value. So you've got to know what you value. Now, I'm going to help you out here because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which probably most of the people in the room are, I'm going to tell you what Jesus values. I'm going to tell you what Jesus defined as a win. 
The reason I'm going to tell you that is so that, okay, if you want to follow Jesus, don't you want to know where he's going? Don't you want to, I want to follow him, therefore I want to be on the track that he's on and know where he's headed. What is Jesus defined as a win? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you want to value what he values? Do you want to do that? Okay, well, I'll help you. This is what he said. He's speaking to his, um, his followers, his disciples. He's got them in this room. And this is his last kind of um, debrief before he departs. And basically, he says, this is it, boys. This is the synopsis of three and a half years. This is why I've come. This is the message. This is the goal. This is the win. This is the objective. This is the value. And he says this. Now I'm giving you a new commandment, John 13, 34. And they would think of themselves a new commandment. Well, how many is there? Like Moses has given us 10, right? So was it 11 now? Is it the 11 commandments? But he's already given us two, you know, love God as you love, you know, love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we're already up to 12, aren't we? <laughs> so what are we now, 13? Is there 13 commandments? Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And what he meant by that was, I'm not adding to the others. That's what the Pharisees did. They started off with 10, finished up with 630 odd. Jesus isn't sort of building up, you know, his new 600 odd commandments. No, 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 no. What he's saying is, forget the 10 commandments. That's not the win anymore. Forget the two commandments. Love God and love others as you love yourself. That's the golden rule. I'm about to give you the platinum rule. To which he said, new commandment, love each other which they would have said, well, that's nothing new, to which Jesus would have said, but I'm not through. <laughs> love each other as I have loved you. Not as, don't, don't do under your neighbor what you'd have him do under you. Forget that. That's the goal of the rule, but we've just passed that. That's not the goal anymore. That's not the objective. This is the objective. The objective is that you value one another as I have valued you. That's now the objective. That's now the goal. Um, to build on that concept, to build on that idea. And um, Paul, who wrote a lot of stuff, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, right? So Paul had an awful lot to say. He was a very, very intelligent man. Paul said this. Paul said the only thing that counts, and that's pretty important, the only thing that counts. <laughs> like when Paul says the only thing that counts, you better listen. Because if there's only one thing that counts, what do you count? You count what you value. If you value your money, you count it. If you value your children, you make sure they're all in the car before you take off. You, one, two, three, everybody's here, we go, right? What you value, you count. And he says, the only thing that counts, that's just like saying the only thing that matters, the only thing that's valued is this, faith expressing itself through love. Basically faith, right? I acknowledge that God is there and I'm living his life out through the expression of love or giving towards others. He says the only thing that counts. Now, for some of you, particularly some of you blokes, you're thinking, oh, that sounds a little soft, a little girly, you know, come on, love, you know. Come on, man, we've got to do better than that. You don't, know, you don't know the tough industry I work in. You don't know the schoolyard that I've got to hang out in. You don't know my life. My life's, my life's pretty tough. It's pretty rugged, you know. I've got to have something better than that. 
uh, well, let me just say this to you. There's this guy by the name of Paul and this other guy by the name of Jesus. Um, uh, scholars, non-Christian scholars even acknowledge that those two guys did more to shape Western civilization than any other two thinking individuals in the last 2,000 years. Um, they would put Shakespeare probably in that, uh, in that group as well. But, but talking about people who shape our society, shape civilization. Now, I know you're important, and I know you're a big deal, and I know you've got a lot to do. But in a thousand years' time, yeah, I don't know. Will people still be remembering what you've done? Probably not. Now, I don't want to undermine your importance, but probably not. And all I'm simply saying is if Jesus and Paul said this is the only thing that matters, and they shaped Western civilization... I know you've got something important to do, right? I know you're a big deal, but not so much, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, it's not as soft and it's not as, uh, as weak as it sounds. The value of your life is always, always measured in how much of it you give away. The value of your life, the value of a life is measured in what you give away. And, you know, another way of just simply saying that is you give to what you value, right? If you value yourself, or you give to yourself. If you value your car, you give to your car. If you value your children, you give to your Whatever you value, that's where your resource, your energy, your time goes. Everybody's the same. Everybody's the same. You prioritize what you value, right? Therefore, we can conclude that the value of a life is found in what, how much of that life has been given. And the third question number one i'm not gonna lie to myself even if i don't listen to myself i'm gonna at least tell myself the truth right? i'm gonna do my best to not live in self-deception not blame the rest of the world for my situation i'm gonna own what is mine even if it makes me feel bad about myself because at least if i can see it i can deal with it number one i'm gonna be honest about myself uh, number two I'm going to try to prioritize what I value over what I want now. I'm going to know what I value, and, and if it's a choice between what I value and what my appetite, I'm going to choose my value over my appetite because my appetites will inevitably eat my values. It's another message, but it's a, it's a powerful thought. And the third, the third question, if you can do these three questions, you will be an exceptional self-leader, guaranteed, take it to the bank, money back. Third one is this. I will not attempt to lead myself by myself your greatest regrets involve your friends <laughs> you know most of us the greatest regrets in our life had to do with people we were with who we liked who we might not have had the same um uh, we might not have had the same values but we had indeed the same interests and i shared an interest with them but maybe not a value with them and because we shared interests we got involved in things and now you know uh things aren't going so well because your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life let me just put it like to you like that your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life we have a little saying here that, that circles are better than rows and i really want to encourage you if you're not in a tribe if you're not in a small group uh, if you're not in a life group you need to get in one pastor shane shared about that this morning you need to get into a small group where someone can ask you the hard questions and not take the easy answers that you give they can reflect back to you you um, you want to hang out with people who have the same value set as you do. Because every morning you wake up and you look in the mirror and you see somebody made in the image of God. And you, 
that person made in the image of God that you're looking at, that person deserves the truth. You might think they can't handle the truth, <laughs> but they deserve the truth. That person you're looking at made in the image of God was created for community. They were created to do life with people who had shared values, not just shared interests, but shared values. That person you're looking at in the mirror goes better when they prioritize what they value most over what they want now. If you're single and you want to get married, don't put your hand up. <laughs> I give you some advice. Single want to get married? Write this down. You're looking for somebody who is an exceptional self-leader. That's what you want to marry. You want to marry somebody who acknowledges the truth about themselves. You want to marry somebody who has the shared values that you have. You want to marry somebody who's, who's in a world with other people who value what they value, not some guy out on his own who's you know, too cool for school. You, you, this is what you want. This is, this is what you want in a person that you could marry. Now, if you don't have anyone on the scene right now, this is what you should do. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. <laughs> you want to become that kind of person yourself. Because that kind of person, right, the person who is an exceptional self-leader, they're only going to marry an exceptional self-leader. So this, you, need to be, you need to become the person you are looking for is looking for. So go home, look at these three questions and ask yourself, are you living by them? Because they will make you an exceptional self-leader. Be honest to yourself about yourself. Prioritize your values over your wants and hang around people who have the same value set as you. Imagine a world. Imagine a world filled with these kind of people. I'll tell you what it would look like. I'll tell you what it would look like. A world where people actually took what we shared tonight and didn't just sit there and go, oh, yeah, okay, she's over, great, where'd you go? Uh, but actually took it seriously. I mean, took it deadly seriously. They went home and they went through. Okay, what do I value? Okay, I'm going to prioritize that. Uh, okay, and what's, you know, what's the truth about me that I don't, don't want to hear? Find out. Find out. Okay, all right. I'm going to change that. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to people. People like that. You find people like that. If, if the world lived like that, you know what would happen? We would almost have to close our prisons. You know what would happen? With all due respect to Constable uh, Tony Deddy, uh, Sergeant, uh, <laughs> but you know what? You, you know the job of police would be pretty much directing traffic. There wouldn't be too many crimes to solve because the world was full of exceptional self leaders. You, you know, you know what would happen to the family family law court? <laughs> I mean, the judges would have to go and find other jobs <laughs> because there'd be, there'd be almost no, almost no family breakdown almost no family breakdown if individuals could be honest with themselves about the truth own their own stuff prioritize what they value over what they want now and find somebody else to help them who has the same i, I could tell you right now ma, uh, the divorce would almost be out the window almost out the window i'd go so far to say that if the world would adopt this, this, this view of, of life, these three questions, that we would have as close to heaven on earth 
that you could get. You would be free. The world would be free. Now, I can't make anybody do this. I can't make the people here tonight do this. I can't make, I can't make anybody buy into this. All I can do is present the information tonight and, and, and say to you guys, please, don't dismiss this. Don't just go home and go, oh, that was a nice night. We got out on time. <laughs> don't just go home and go, oh, well, you know, that was an interesting night, what the pastor said. No, no, no. Go home and say, you know, I, I'm going to be part of the answer and not part of the problem. I'm going to be part of bringing heaven to this earth and not hell to this earth. I'm going to be part of bringing order and, and, and disrupting chaos. And how do I do that? I just told you how to do it. Go home and own it. Be truthful to yourself about yourself. Prioritize. Know your values and prioritize them over your wants. And hang out with people with the same values as you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 